this is a young team. We're on the cusp. Why right, we got to add some pieces to what we're doing here? Pierce running right, spin move, barrels his way down to the 41 yard line. What a run by Pierce! The type of players that we're looking for are players who are looking to swarm. It's intercepted, Christian Harris. Game day is every day. Picked off by Stingley. <laughs> Petrie, Texans have the ball on the pick. The takeaway train is rolling. And if you want it, you got to go work. Now, it's Texans All-Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All-Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris alongside Mark Vandermeer. Hopefully, everyone had a great holiday weekend, got away for a little bit, spent a little time with family, and did all that and got that taken care of. Mark, you know what I did Sunday night? What did you do Sunday night? I went and saw the movie Air. The Nike movie. Have you seen it? Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. I have not seen it. I heard it was excellent. It is very, very good. I feel like they casted it extremely well. Mm. The number of characters in there, Matt Damon plays Sonny Vaccaro extremely well. Phil <laughs> Ben Affleck did a, I thought did a really good Phil Knight. But Viola Davis as Dolores Jordan, she's outstanding. Oh, yeah. I mean, she is absolutely uh, outstanding and so worthy of the theater this movie yes you know when you see a pr- promo do you think that's a netflix special right no it's a theater it was, movie yeah it was, it was a good theater movie we, okay my son enjoyed it he didn't really know much of the story he just knew about the air jordan he's at nike and so seeing that story but going back to 1984 and reliving 1984 just the visuals they had of certain things it was awesome and converse it right it was Awesome. Yeah, it was very it was very cool. Converse, Converse rules the shoe world back then. Yep. Converse. Then Adidas. Okay. Adidas then was huge. Third was Nike. Where did Puma fit in? I don't know. I don't know where Puma fit Puma in. Puma was somewhere. Puma was yeah, Puma had taken kind of a break. I don't know. I don't yeah. know where Puma was. But at the very beginning of the movie, they showed basketball. Uh, sneaker market share. Converse had 58% of the market. Adidas had 30-something, and Nike had like 13. That's it. And so I don't want to give too much away. If you know anything about what happened, you'll know that he eventually goes with Nike. Duh. But in 2003, Nike bought Converse. That is cool. That is absolutely wild. And they're and still out there. The canvas shoes, the Chuck Taylors. And I think there's a really interesting point in the movie. And it kind of goes somewhat to what, you know, what we talk about, especially as it, as it pertains to the draft. About two games into the season, not even, we looked at Jalen Petrie and we went, oh, yeah, we knew he was going to be a player. Yeah, when they drafted him, we knew that was going to be the right pick. But do you really ever know? No. Do you really ever know? And I think it was the same for, for Nike in some sense. They had conviction about Jordan, but they were giving him a deal that no athlete had ever before gotten. Ever before gotten. None. Ever. And it was more than just money. It was, uh, it was a share or a percentage of every shoe that was sold of his shoe, which was new. There were all these different things that we look back on now. We go... Oh, yeah, of course you do that for Michael Jordan. Well, it's easy to say now. Yeah, you didn't but know. back then, he was the number three overall pick. 
behind Akeem, and he was also behind Sam Bowie. So I'm old enough to remember his rookie year, his mm-hmm. second year, the 63 points at Boston Garden. Yes. I'm old enough to remember that stuff Same. and wondering how good is he going to be. Right. And even after that 63-point game, although after that game you were thinking this guy's going to be amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was the Boston Celtics. It was yep. the era's crossing paths, two ships passing in the night, and look what happens to Jordan. But we do that with, with drafts a lot of times. We look back and go, we knew that guy was going to be a bust. And they have a great moment in the movie where Sonny Vaccaro goes into a uh, nearby Portland 7-Eleven. And the, the guy behind a counter is reading Street Smith's basketball. Mm. And he's looking at the prospects. Bible. And he says, so what do you think the Blazers, or do you think the Blazers screwed it up? And he's like... Of course not. Sam Bowie, seven one. He starts <laughs> no, going through great. all this. That's great. The very end of the movie, he goes back into the same Seven Eleven, and let's just say the conversation had changed. Oh sure. And Vaccaro just looks at him, kind of smiles afterwards. Well, like, who had the number yeah. one pick in that draft? Rockets did, of course. Took Akeem Olajuwon, yeah. and I think they did the right thing. Portland. And here's the thing, as it pertains to the draft, and we'll get to this in a second. There was conviction about what you were supposed to have in a draft. You're supposed to have a big guy. And they already had Clyde Drexler from the year before. They had drafted Clyde uh, in, in 83. So they had a player, 6'6", 200 pounds, could do the things that Jordan could do. Coming out of college especially. Right. They already had that player in Drexler, so they're mm. going to get the same guy? Yeah. You know, I mean, could now. Could they have had some force, uh, some foresight and gone, you know what, maybe let's deal Drexler and then we'll draft Jordan. But it did turn out that way, not for the Portland Trailblazers, but for people in Chicago, uh, they got to live through the Michael Jordan experience. Now, as I was on the way to the movie theater, my phone was just blowing up with notifications of one Odell Beckham Jr. going to what I thought was a major upset. The Baltimore Ravens. So, one, gut reaction to OBJ going to Baltimore. And two, can you draw a link or a parallel to what this could potentially mean for the Texans in this draft, the fact that OBJ went to Baltimore? Well, because you wonder about Lamar Jackson, right? Correct. Is this meant to get Lamar Jackson back to the table, get him to sign a deal, or is there an assumption that, hey, he's back anyway. We got to fortify. We got to get weaponry around him. Mm-hmm. So let's do that. And already communication between Lamar Jackson and Odell Beckham Jr. So I, I think it just says that they're confident and maybe Jackson's confident he's going to go play in Baltimore, at least for this season, maybe under the tag. Maybe there's another way to do it. Uh, maybe there's a long term deal afoot. We'll see how it goes because nobody seems to be stepping up for Lamar Jackson as far as other teams go. Now, maybe that would happen after the draft if that's going to happen, but because no one wants to give up a first-round pick in this year's draft. Now, right. look at it this way, Johnny. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, what's the delay? Well, they don't want to give up a pick in this year's draft, right? How does that play out in the Lamar Jackson situation? Debate and discuss. But to me, this meant Lamar Jackson's going to play in Baltimore. It's Baltimore bust right now. Right. And I don't think there's bust. I think it's going to be Baltimore and Odell's going to be a part of the equation there. I thought it was a lot of a large chunk of money based on health 
and he's not the youngest receiver anymore. He still yeah. has a lot of ability, of course. But you know what? If you have the cap space, and I know you still have to pay Lamar Jackson, but they'll figure out a way to do it in Baltimore. They need that weapon along with Jackson. They need other stuff, too. But that's not a bad start. Remember, this is a pretty good team without Lamar Jackson down the stretch the last couple of years. Even the year before, even in 21, mm-hmm. they played a lot of close games. They were right in it until he got hurt and I don't remember all the gory details, but I remember researching this thinking they were right there. And last year, obviously, they were able to get across the line and get to the postseason, but it's not what you want with no Lamar Jackson. So I think they've got a lot of going. They've got a lot of assets anyway. They need more. This is a big one. I think as far as the Texans go, as I answer your question in a very long fashion fashion here, this takes Lamar Jackson in all likelihood out of the Colts equation. There you go. And I didn't figure him to be in the Titans equation, but I think the Colts was the one we were all wondering about. Yeah, absolutely. And so I feel like there's a there's a domino effect with with the OBJ thing because as soon as I saw it, I was like, I like Snoop Huntley. I always have, but he's not Lamar Jackson. Odell Beckham Jr., a guy that tore his ACL in the Super Bowl when the Rams played the Bengals. So over over 13, 14 months ago, he's going to come back and he's going to play with Snoop Huntley? If I mean, that's the, the most money he could possibly get. But Even, you even at that money. Well, here's the other thing. If it were a three- or four-year deal, then I would think, okay, but it's a one-year deal. Mm. It's a prove-it deal for him. And he's going to prove it with Huntley throwing him passes? Nah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. So I do think that that was some sort of indication that Lamar is definitely thinking about going back. And then Lamar tweeted a screen cap of a FaceTime that he did with OBJ. So we'll see. That doesn't always mean everything. But I do think it does, to me, put Lamar Jackson back in Baltimore. Does that make the Colts that much more dangerous to move ahead of the Texans, i.e. trading up to number one to get the quarterback of their choice? I don't think there's any way Carolina trades that pick if they are married to a certain player, and I think they are at this point. Now, I heard Sean and Seth talking about it this morning, and, hey, maybe it's true that the Panthers really didn't know which quarterback they wanted. They knew that there was one up there for them, so go ahead and make the move. Let's go all in on a quarterback. That's what I said the the day they made that trade. I said that that very day. Like, I don't think they know the guy, but they'll find out. They'll find out the guy. They they want to make – it's not just a splash. We're not talking about enticing the fans to come back to the stadium in Charlotte. It's not about that. It's about yeah. long-term winning. It's yeah. about the owner saying, you know what? Last year, I was willing to park – wasn't $230 million because otherwise they would have Deshaun Watson. Right. But a lot of money and a lot of draft capital into a, an equation to get Deshaun Watson into Carolina. Well – This year, I'm willing to part with a lot of draft capital to get my franchise quarterback. I know we need a franchise quarterback. And you saw what they went through last year, right? Bouncing around again with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. And, my gosh, P.J. Walker played a little bit, didn't he? Yeah, all three of them. So now they go all in on some kind of franchise quarterback because there are multiple options at number one. I don't think they're trading out of that pick. If they do, what does that say about what they think? It it says, you know what? We came up here to this spot, and now we don't like it so much. <laughs> now we don't think that there's a guy. Because if, if the Carolina Panthers drop from one to four now, never right. mind what they get, they'll get a lot to do that. But they drop from one to four. Who's left? 
you're looking at Young and Stroud off the board. That means they fell in love with Levis. But guess what, Johnny? Let's just go Levis for a moment because our buddy Lance had Levis yeah. going to the Texans in that. You take somebody else at two. You move yeah. up from 12 to seven, or I think it was, to yep. take Levis. If you really think Will Levis is the best quarterback in this draft, fine. If that's your evaluation, whoever you are, whatever team there is, but you better take him early because if you think he's the best quarterback in this draft, you're not alone, right? So if the Panthers thought Will Levis was the best and they thought, we'll gamble, we'll go down to four and get him then, no, maybe the Colts do as well. Maybe the Texans do. Maybe somebody jumps up and trades up with Carolina, I mean, with uh, Arizona at three, and they decide Will Levis is the best quarterback. My point is this. If you're Carolina, you control the draft right now. You spend a lot on it. Get your guy, whoever the best is. And as far as the Texans go at number two, get your second best guy because there's no guarantee that he's going to be there at 12 or in a move-up situation from 12 to get him, unless it's Hendon Hooker because there's knee surgery discrimination going on, like I said, on Friday. And I would be okay with waiting till 12 if you thought that Hooker was the best quarterback in this draft. Here's the thing about getting Levis at seven. I think it's not so much that Levis is the top quarterback on their board and they're getting him at seven. I think they would look at it as Will Levis is the last highest ranked quarterback we have. Like say, say they put him in a particular tier. Like these are the tiers that we would take a quarterback, young Stroud, Richardson, Levis say, say that's, that's been the off talked about top four. He's the last one of those four left. Well, why are you we taking to- him? Well, hang on a second though. You're already at I'm, two. I, I understand. I wouldn't. I don't. Well, I don't want to do that. If you had somebody ranked ahead of Levis, and you could easily take him at two, take him. you take him at two. Yeah. If you think Levis is not as good as that player, what are you doing taking Levis at seven? Well, we thought we could get a defensive player at two and get Levis, who's almost as what? I get about draft value. I do, but you could also flip the script too. You can get the better quarterback. And then move back up to seven and get a yes. defensive player because they're all getting pushed down. They're all getting pushed down. And the Colts need a quarterback, and somebody might even trade up with Arizona at three right. and take a quarterback there. So you're at two, even though you're not at one, you're at two. And the sec- at the very least, your second-best quarterback is right there. So if you really want a quarterback, go ahead and take him right there. You're sitting at 12. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, I, that whole thing about the Cardinals – and there was a report, I think it was a Schefter report, saying that the Cardinals have been contacted by at least six different teams. And the Cardinals end up being key in this because if you do end up taking a quarterback at two, and I would think the Panthers are going to, if somebody is trading up to three, my guess is they're going up to go get a quarterback. Now, yeah. it could be it could be somebody going up to get Will Anderson Jr. or Jalen Carter. I could You could convince me of that, I guess. Depending on what you know, what the team like, I don't know. Maybe Philadelphia just says, "Screw it, we're gonna we got draft capital. We can get a highly ranked player. Let's take our first, two first round picks and move up to three. I, I mean, I don't know. There's just there's different things. That Probably you can do. not. Though. Probably not. But if you're trading up, you're more than likely going up for a quarterback. And so the Colts, if they sit there at four, they need a quarterback. So that's four quarterbacks now off the board. One, two, three, four. Now, I mean, it it has, I don't think it ever happened that way. I think we've seen one, two, and three. I don't think we've seen one, two, three, four. But so it's the first time for everything. But if that does happen, 
Do you think it's more likely than not the Texans would consider moving back up into the top six or seven to get one of those defensive guys that because the quarterbacks have pushed them down, that they can maybe go get a Will Anderson Jr. or Tyree Wilson or maybe Jalen Carter potentially at that point? Or do you think they're going to be content to sit there at 12 or maybe trade down as I did in my mock where I have them trading down with the Steelers to 17? But who's going to drop down? The Raiders? They're not going to drop down at that point. Who wants to drop down? Never mind what you're getting. If so a player is Colts. that valuable to you, chances are he's that valuable to somebody else as well. Yeah. A defensive player for a team that does not need, in their opinion, a quarterback, yeah. right? They're going to wait and pick a great defensive player, yeah. a Jalen Carter or a Will Anderson or whoever, a Tyree Wilson. So it, it's interesting. I, let's go back to Carolina for a moment. You agree, though, that it doesn't make any sense for them to move from one to four. No, and if it they do, no, I'm no. thinking, well, why are they moving? Because they could have had Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, and now they're willing to give up on both of them. Right. So what am I moving up for? Right. I, you have to, well, because I know my stuff better than they do. All right, maybe you do if you're the Colts. Maybe you do. Yeah. But you still have to question their motivation. What have they found out that's turned them off? But if you're go, but if you're the Colts and you're going to number one, there's at least one of those guys you can have. There's at least one of those guys. I guarantee. No, but why's Carolina? What's Carolina's motivation? I guarantee the Panthers like them. The Panthers probably like them. But, but what's their moving, motivation? They're moving the four. I don't. I don't know. There's your, no motivation. There's there's no motivation. And those who think the Texans should trade up with Carolina from two to one, it's the same thing here. The same dynamic is going on. Well, we want to move up to one because we're afraid you're going to take Bryce Young. Oh, we're willing to move to two because we'll take C.J. Stroud. But yeah. we would have taken Young. So go ahead and trade. with. It doesn't work. This yeah. relationship between the Panthers and the Texans, this fictitious Texans trade-up scenario, it should not take place because the relationship doesn't work. The motivation right. isn't there right. on the part of the Panthers to move from one to two, and it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I don't think Texans moving up from two to one makes has made any sense all along because I've looked at those two quarterbacks, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, on the same, on the same level. Mm -hmm. I think Young is a tick ahead. It's 99 versus 98. I mean, it's that it's that close. It was kind of the way I looked at Stingley and Sauce last year. They were very, very close. I liked Stingley a little bit better. I think I thought he was a better athlete. I thought he was just a smoother overall player than uh, Sauce was. And I thought it would eventually, eventually turn into Stingley being the better player in the long run. It didn't. But that's kind of the way I look at this. Like, I'm not going to give up a draft pick and a good draft pick to go from two to one. I'm not going to go ahead and do that. I'm going to entertain it. I'll listen. But, nah, in the end, I feel pretty good about, um, you know, those two quarterbacks. I'm going to do it. Now, obviously, there is this, you know, I don't even think it's a, you know, 800-pound grill in the room. I do think it's worth discussing, and that is – the connection of C.J. Stroud to David Mulligetta, et cetera. And we've talked about this on the air a million times. It's now being put out there publicly by a lot of national media. I think Peter King brought that up today. And I'm like, uh, it just took you until now to make that connection, <laughs> um, which I'm like, what? They don't spend uh, much time uh, on the Texans, apparently. Uh, yeah. Um, but at that point, maybe it comes a point that yeah, you're maybe not totally comfortable with it. And that does kind of put a little bit of a, a crimp in your plans of, okay, if the Panthers do take Bryce Young, then it's DJ Stroud. 
I still think that whole situation and how it all went down, I feel like from their side that they probably left with exactly what they wanted to. And I and they're probably no hard feelings. But who knows? I, I, I don't know. I just know that now people are starting to speak about it nationally. I don't know. I don't think it bothers me as much. But I'm seeing more and more. Like, I'm looking at a tweet from earlier today. Should the Texans just draft Will Anderson Jr. at number two overall? And I'm like, why, why would we have gotten to that point where you draft quarterback? If there's a capable quarterback and there's a top quarterback in the draft and you're drafting, especially number two, you take that man. You take that quarterback and you hope he ends up being your guy for the for 10 to 12 years Unless or more. you don't think that he is that player that everyone's talking about. Uh, th- it's possible that this happens, that they decide, you know what? These guys look really good, but they don't look good enough. We have other yeah. ideas about this. We like Hendon Hooker. We like Jake Hayner. I don't know what they're thinking, Johnny. But, again, the longer it takes to get to this draft, the more I'm going to talk myself into ridiculous that's, things like what I just said. That, exactly. That, that's my point is that we've gone way too long with this, <laughs> that it seems way too easy. Like you got one of the top two picks. There are two really stud, two stud quarterbacks. Just take one. Like it seems that easy, but it, but it isn't. But I'm on record. Think. I'm on record, by the way. Like I said, any one of these top five quarterbacks could be the best quarterback out there. No, you right? said that. I've said that. You said and that. And Hendon Hooker could possibly be the best quarterback in this draft. Could possibly be. And you have to allow for that. And we'll see. We'll see. If I told you Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, you know, we don't have to go through the entire list here. Okay, Who was bringing so, up the class of 83 okay, so the let me, other day? Let me ask you a question. <laughs> let me ask you a question. Knowing, A, Hooker's coming off an ACL tear, mm-hmm. which was in mid, mid-November. He's coming off an ACL tear. He's 25 years old. Quarterbacks in the building are Davis Mills, Case Keenum, and E.J. Perry. Mm-hmm. If the Texans went Will Anderson Jr. to Hendon Hooker at 12, when you drive home Thursday night, how are you feeling? I'm feeling okay with this. I really am. I feel like, uh-oh, here comes the barrage of negativity from media, fans, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think if they did something like that, they've done their research and sure. decided that's their player. And Anderson's going to be a hell of a defensive player in this right. league as well. So that's a one-two punch. And by week four, we might see Hooker starting and Anderson playing great on defense and whatever else Nick adds through the draft and these free agent acquisitions that they just got in the trade with Mason and all of that. And bam, they're actually winning at least as much as they're losing, if not more, and contending for the AFC South title. Sign me up for that. Okay, let me throw another monkey wrench in there to really confuse people, too, because I guarantee you if they take Will Anderson Jr. at 2, there will be this, what are we going to do at quarterback? Then they draft Hendon Hooker at 12. And then before the night's over, what do they do? They trade back up into the first round because a certain running back from the University of Texas is available, Uh, and they they decided to go for it. So it's Will Anderson Jr., Hendon Hooker at 12, and they trade back into the first round from 33 to get B. John Robinson. How will you feel if you drive home with that? I'll feel feel really good about that, actually. And here's the thing. There's winning Thursday night of the draft, and there's winning in September, (laughs) October, November, December. I know, I know. There's winning draft weekend. And pleasing everybody yeah. with hype and great feelings. 
and then there's what happens on the field. And sometimes Absolutely. they're the same thing, right. but sometimes they're not, as we all know. So if you traded back into the first round or just sat there Friday night, the first pick that the Texans have, second of the evening, 33rd overall, because mm-hmm. there's no Miami pick in the first round, right? Correct. So the second pick on Friday night, Jalen Hyatt. That's what I have in my mock. I had Jalen Hyatt. With what we just talked about. Yeah. So you go. <laughs> if you you have to be juiced for that. Well, you get Hinton Hooker and Jalen Hyatt. I mean, that's kind of Yeah, nice. that's a nice little combo I mean, right there. they've been there. together before. They know mm-hmm. each other. I, listen, and then E.J. Perry starts 12 games. There will be panic. <laughs> the time. Okay, there's 10 minutes between picks. 10 picks. It's 150 minutes. Eh, a little over. It's about two hours plus. Mm-hmm. There will be two hours of panic. Oh, yeah. Oh, at that draft party. Oh, my gosh. It's going to be wild. It's going to be waiting for pick number twelve. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. The drama will okay, be so, so let me, okay, thick so let, and rich. Okay, so consider what I consider what I just threw at you. Yes. I, li- I like these scenarios now. Okay, okay. Let me throw you. Let me throw you a massive curveball. All right. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna work. I think we'll work up. Let's say that. Let's say that at 33, they they do what we talked about. Yeah. They move up, and they go get Bijan Robinson. But at number twelve, they oh. get Miles Murphy. Because at number two, they've gotten Anthony Richardson, quarterback, Florida. So you go to Anthony Richardson, 12 miles Murphy from out of Clemson, mm-hmm. and then you trade back up and you get Bijan Robinson. How will you be driving home that night? Will you be driving high on a cloud, 110 down Highway 59? Well, here's what's or not going to be make nervous me happy. about what's going to happen. Because at number four, the Colts took C.J. Stroud, right? <laughs> and, you know, you know, that's the other thing. Who are our foes in the division yeah. going to take? Yeah. How will you feel if Tennessee goes to three? Not good. And they pick up, well, they pick Will Levis. Will Levis is kind of an unsexy pick, but he might turn out to be the best player at quarterback. Oh, that would be draft. funny Who if knows? he went to Tennessee. My comp for Will Levis is the Tennessee Titans quarterback room of Malik Willis and Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> that was my comp. comp back in May. That was my comp for Will Levis. So we'll see if, if any of that comes to fruition. Speaking of fruition, coming up next, Drew Doherty had a chance to catch up with Javier Thomas. Yes, he's coming back. And the two go one-on-one next right here on Texans All Access. More Texans Radio is on the way. We return to Texans All Access. Welcome back to Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be with you this evening as we're about to bring in my good pal, Drew Doherty, who had a chance to catch up with one of the most valuable defenders this team has had the last couple of years, Tavier Thomas, who does it all on special teams. You've seen him play the nickel out there at defensive back. He's done all kinds of stuff for this team. And Drew had a chance to catch up with him at an event and talk about what it's like coming back to the Texans, D'Amico Ryans, et cetera. Tav, Drew, now. Tavier Thomas is the guy, defensive back for the Houston Texans. Here at a Kroger, you just took part in a food hunger event. It's all part of the Huddle Against Hunger. How much fun did you have? Because you were doing a scavenger hunt, but you weren't just with the winning team, which was yours. Oh, yeah, yeah. We came in first. You know what I mean? We was going to win anyway. <laughs> but it was fun. It was a lot of fun just to know that the kid – well, I didn't really do anything. The kids were finding everything. I was just pushing Toro around. <laughs> but we came in first, and then I went back and helped a lot of other teams because my teammates were showing me where everything was, so I was helping them guys out. Yeah, and before all that, you were talking with the kids, and you made a really good point. You know, there's a lot of folks out there that we don't know about that we don't realize that right. the Houston Food Bank is helping out on a daily basis. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, just to know that everything that they're doing, it's amazing. All these families that they're helping, 
Like, we come out with our busy days and try to help as many fans as we can, but they doing a lot, a lot, a lot more, and that's a blessing, and I'm just happy I'm able to help. It was such a fun event. It's fun to see you involved, and on the football field, I know you've been working out with a lot of the guys. You guys have been around the building. It gets official on Tuesday with off-season conditioning, but what have you specifically worked on this off-season football-wise? Really just getting conditioned. Once you're in condition, you're never going to be too in condition to get to training camp or whatnot, but... If you just in tip-top shape, everything else you, you should be able to handle while being in the NFL. So I'm just trying to stay in tip-top shape, keep my body healthy, and I'm ready for Tuesday to come. I'm ready to get around my teammates and all my coaches. Yeah, I bet you are. Is is that tough or is it easier considering you were out in September and out in October? Do you feel like your old self, you know, maybe at this point, I, you know, last year or two years ago? Oh, yeah, I'm back. I'm 100%. I'm ready to go. The team, they believed in me and brought me back. So I'm happy that I'm back and I'm ready to get this thing going. I'm ready to win. I know you always had confidence, but was it even bolstered a bit more by coming back week nine, you play a little bit, play a little bit more the next game, and then you pretty much get 50% of the snaps the rest of the way, and you're out there starting. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was great. They got me back in slow, slow pace, but when I did get back in, I knew I had the ball out because it was my last year on my contract, so everyone's going to be looking at that. So I try to go out and play as hard as I can and try to get wins for the team. And that's what I'm going to continue to do. You just brought it up. How nice is it to be back here in Houston? Oh, it's great. I ain't have to move. I ain't have to sell my home, none of that crazy stuff. So I'm happy to be back. I'm just ready to win. I just want to win. Yeah, and with that in mind, what do you think of the new head coach? And what do you think this defense is going to be? Or how will this defense be different in 2023? I feel like he's going to let us just fly around and play football. I feel like he's a great coach because he didn't been in our shoes. Like, I love, love you to death, but... D'Amico, he's been in our shoes, and he know what we need to do, what we don't need to do, because he was that same guy. So I'm, I'm looking forward to being there with him. You're back. Dez is back. Steven Nelson, Derek Stingley, Petrie. You know, you got, you got a piece in Jimmy Ward, a seasoned secondary. When you say, how much is that going to help things out, you think? Well, it's going to help out a lot. They brought in what you said, Jimmy Ward, and the linebackers that they did bring in. I feel like those guys are going to get us over the hump. And if we continue just – do everything that D'Amico tells us. If we all just play together, I'll say that. If we all just play together, play to everybody's strengths and help each other out, I feel like we're going to be one of the best secondaries in the NFL. All right, Tabby, your last question. Best Easter candy is? Reese's, because I'm about to give me some. <laughs> there you go. Tavier Thomas, defensive back for the Houston Texans. Thanks so much for the time. Happy it. Easter, my friend. Thank you. Happy Easter. Man, you kidding me? you got to grab the Reese's for sure. Got to do my rankings of candy because Reese's definitely have got to be top five. Very addictive. But my sweets are all over the place. I mean, all over the place. Speaking of sweet, Jordan Addison is sweet with a capital S-W-E-E-T. The USC wideout could be a Texan. Might he be a Texan? Well, we're going to learn a little bit more about the USC receiver next right here on Texans All Access. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Texans Radio is back. Yes, sir. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Football analyst, sideline reporter, as I said in the last segment. Can't wait to see you guys tomorrow. Coming in for conditioning. First day of school, if you want to look at it that way. Or it's the first day back at school after a very long spring break. I don't know, depending on how you look at it. Either way, it's a good thing. D'Amico Ryans will meet with 
the press tomorrow, so that's going to be fun. Press, media, however you want to call it. Now, a player who could eventually become a Texan is Jordan Addison, wide receiver. Blitnikoff, award winner at 21, went out to USC at 22. I actually thought there were some things he showed in 22 uh, that helped him a little bit more. He played a little bit more on the perimeter, so he's able to show some of those perimeter route-running skills that he's got. He is sudden. He is dynamic. Uh, he's just not very big. Donovan James of uh, Trojan Wire on the USA Today has been covering him for a while. And DP Studio had a chance to catch up with him to find out all about Jordan Addison, wide receiver USC. Joining us today is Donovan James. He covers USC sports for USA Today's Trojans Wire. He's also the host of the Sports Don and Friends podcast. Donovan, thanks so much for joining us. We want to talk all about USC prospect wide receiver Jordan Addison. So I don't know if you've seen the mock drafts, but he's been pretty popular among mock draft experts saying that the Texans may take him. Yeah, Jordan Addison's a really good prospect. Uh, obviously, last year, uh, well, year before last, winning the Belenikoff Award for Pitt, Kenny Pickett at Pittsburgh. And then obviously the stats dropped off a little bit, but with USC's depth at wide receiver, and I mean, obviously he helped Caleb Williams win the Heisman Trophy. He, he, you know, he's a little banged up kind of frail bit thin frame a little bit but all in all he's still to me the best route runner in a wide receiver class that's not very deep he stands out to me Jackson and, uh, and Jigba of course stands out to me but Jordan Addison is the best route runner and has some of the best hands um, especially catching the deep ball which wherever they have at quarterback definitely get helped out by Jordan Addison day one he's a guy that can come in right away and uh, catch the balls 60 70 passes I think his rookie year uh, it's tremendous. I mean, I think the one thing I read over and over about him is his speed and route running, that those are the traits that really separate him from some of the other wide receivers. Uh, even during USC's rainy pro day, he was running some pretty crisp routes. Where do you think he fits in best in an NFL offense? I think a West Coast style offense kind of fits him better just because like, it, he reminds me a lot of Devontae Smith. And I'm sure you'll hear a lot of that during the process or you yeah. process. Um, he reminds me a lot of him. But this is a guy, like I said, that can – for him to be uh, kind of a slender guy, he'll run across the middle for you. Um, but he's a little better in short routes, slants, and quick bursts. And deep downfield, too, I think he's really good. I think he had some concentration issues early on in his career. But for the most part, he can – I mean, he can just do everything. Obviously, he's not the best blocker in the world, being kind of a smaller guy. But uh, – and he's not a speedster. Like, his combine scores or testing wasn't off the charts. But that's not really him. He's a guy that's just going to catch you the ball, kind of come in every day and just grind and uh, be a team leader, too. I think that's something he did in the offseason was kind of put all the receivers together with Brendan Rice and all those guys, C.J. Williams and, and Caleb Williams, too, um, getting those guys together. So he's going to be a leader in the locker room, which I think the Texans need, and a guy that can do a little bit of everything. Um, his route tree is just, I mean, he can run every route. So, like I said, he's not going to go across the middle and catch the ball like uh, Andre Johnson or <laughs> somebody like that. He's not a big boy, but uh, he can do a little bit of everything for you, so. That's going to be a good thing for the Texans to have uh, coming up. And I think they need a, you know, a lot of that with D'Amico Ryans and uh, Bobby Slowick, kind of some younger coaches coming in. They need some leadership. Yeah, you, you've mentioned his measurables a few times, 5'11", 173. He is, he is kind of slight, and that might be one of the negatives about him in this as a draft prospect, I guess, just for people that care about size and stuff like that. But even in his final seven games at USC, his production, TD production wasn't super high. Only two touchdowns in the final seven games, even though he was catching passes from uh, Caleb Williams. So how concerned should teams be with his lack of production and, and size? 
I think the production is just USC was so deep at wide receiver. I mean, you're looking at Mario Williams and Brendan Rice, like I said, and Taj Washington, Kyle Ford. I mean, some of them, they have so many receivers at USC. A couple of them transferred, and they were four or five stars. Michael Jackson was there, and they, they got some guys coming in that are really good too. But I, I don't, I'm not really worried about the production. Obviously, Caleb Williams was also running the ball a little bit more too so that's something that you know he ran the ball a little bit more at the end of the season so and they spread it out that's just how the offense is like if you look at Lincoln Riley's offenses from the past that's just how they they do they spread it out they run a lot of four or five wides Travis Dye was getting the ball a lot more they were trying to run the ball more before he got hurt so I'm not worried about the production I don't think that's on him and uh his production was so high and off the charts the season before like you, I, I knew he wasn't going to match that. Those stats, I mean, Kenny Pickett, that, that was his guy. That's really all they had was Kenny Pickett and uh, Jordan Addison. So I figured his stats would drop off. And the measurables, I'm not worried about either. Like, I mean, he could get hurt a little bit more so. But like I said, Devontae Smith seems like he's been fine. And they remind me a lot of each other. Devontae was insane winning the Heisman his year with Mac Jones and all those guys. He's not quite that good, but he's right there. Uh, he could be a, a star wide receiver. I don't, he'll never be a top five, top ten receiver, really. But he'll always be in that. 15 to 20 range and be he'll make a couple pro bowls on the right squad and uh with this team the texans i mean they don't have a lot of receivers so i mean he could definitely help them out and be the guy right now for them yeah i think texans fans would be excited about seeing another wide receiver drafted this year Uh, all right what about i know he's only played for usc for one season and he you mentioned he had a phenomenal 2021 campaign but just in your short time covering him what's the most memorable game or moment of jordan addison's that you've covered honestly kind of like the first game even though it was against rice the way he just played that game and him and caleb just had it down packed first game game one i know it was versus a lesser opponent but uh, that game kind of stood out to me. But that was a game that, to me, just stood out because he can come in right away uh, with kind of a shorter offseason, I feel like, because a lot of these kids are doing a lot more now, like, off the field. They don't have as much time to practice, I feel like, and they're not getting together as much. But he was able to do that, and I think that showed in that game. And the UCLA game, obviously, was his best game of the season, sorry. But um, 11 catches, 178 yards, I think two touchdowns – or no, one touchdown, sorry. Uh, but he averaged 16 yards per catch. And that's something that, if you look at the UCLA tape, they have a pretty good secondary, and they spied on him and did a lot of things on him, but he still was able to catch the ball. And him averaging about 15, 16, 17 yards per catch is something you're going to see at the next level, too. I think he can put that those numbers up because he can really get the yak yards after catch and – make plays and there's some I was on Twitter just looking at him and scouting him and yeah that's the most impressive game he had as a, as a USC Trojan for sure and that like I said that Rice game was uh, pretty good too well he's got an NIL deal with United United's got a hub in Houston that just <laughs> fits Perfect. a little too perfectly <laughs> but obviously he's got a lot of charisma so what what's his personality like off the field Jordan, he, he, or he's kind of, he's, he does have a lot of charisma, but he kind of is quiet a little bit. Like, uh, he, he's not like a raw, raw guy. He leads by example more so, but guys follow him. Him and Caleb just had a really good relationship. And I think, like I said, that, and then them, like I said, them going and throwing with each other, uh, Gary Bryan and Troy Bryan. There's so many, like, I think it was nine or 10 receivers went out there. And with Miller Moss, the backup quarterback, and Caleb Williams, having those guys get together in the offseason was was huge. And Lincoln Riley loves him. Narduzzi, his old coach, loves him. Uh, his high school coaches love him. And uh, he does have a lot of charisma. He'll be good for the Texans and uh, what they're trying to do. I know D'Amico Ryans has a pretty big personality as well. So he'll like that. But uh, he's not going to be 
like Antonio Brown. No one's Antonio Brown, I guess, but <laughs> he won't be that type of guy. He's not like a diva wide receiver, though, like Odell Beckham or like whoever you want to say is a diva wide receiver. <laughs> He's just going to come in and work. He's not as quiet as Devontae Smith. That guy is uh, not much personality, even though I like him as a receiver. But yeah, he, he's got some personality to him, but he's not too much. Not nothing too over the top for a receiver. Just right. Not the just right amount of charisma yeah, and personality yeah, yeah. for a wide receiver. <laughs> All right. What about other prospects from USC? Who are some other uh, players to maybe watch out for in this year's draft? So I like, uh, I was telling you before the show, Andrew Voorhees is one of my favorite prospects now. He went down with a torn ACL at mm-hmm. the combine but he was still able to be one of the strongest people at the combine with his uh bench press numbers the bench press numbers that uh, production score is really good i think he was third among guards he's played tackle he's played center he's played guard he's going to be a tackle at the next level with nxl though he played 45 he started 45 different games played in 55 was a six-year senior played for five years at usc so much leadership I mean, he's one of the He's got, like, the fifth most starts, I think, in, like, USC history, which is insane because it's, like, USC, their national powerhouse, like, year after year for decades. And uh, Elijah Vera Tucker is somebody he replaced at the guard spot was a first-round pick. Now, he's not quite that good because of his athleticism, but technically, like, he technical, like, with his hands and stuff and his feet, he's he's good and he's strong. I like his uh, upper body strength. He's really smart, too, and his versatility is great. He could be a backup like right tackle for you probably don't want him at left tackle but uh can definitely play center a little bit and can play both guard positions just a natural leader too high iq and just somebody that's going to have a 10 12 13 year career as a backup or as a spot starter and he could be a, a, a starter maybe not day one with the um torn acl but they say he's getting back to normal and he's trying to get fully healthy and he's not running yet but he should be back before around preseason so it'd be nice to see. he's a day three guy probably I would say he goes like in the fourth round, but he could go a little higher. I had him as a top 100 pick before he mm. tore his ACL. And I just fear that with his age and kind of the wear and tear on him for the past five, six years at USC, now having a torn ACL this late might hurt him, though. And there'd be some guys that might pass him up. So I could see him dropping. But I like him a lot. Uh, another guy that got injured is Travis Dye, coming from Oregon and transferred to USC, played one year. Really good running back, undersized as well, just like. Jordan Addison, about 5'9", 185, 190. But he coming off a torn ACL as well, towards ACL before the Pac-12 Championship versus Utah. But that's another guy to look out for. He's late day three, maybe undrafted free agent, though. There's a lot of running backs in this class. But he's a good one. He can catch. He reminds me of uh, Chip Lindsey, who was drafted by the Broncos a few years ago and went to Colorado. Philip Lindsey. Philip Lindsey, yeah. He used to play played for the Texans for a minute played as well. For the Texans too. Yeah, yeah. So he reminds me of him. Uh, they kind of even look like each other. <laughs> but they remind me of each other. <laughs> kind of same. Uh, he doesn't have the production like him, but playing at Oregon, splitting carries, and USC, kind of a pass-happy offense. He didn't get the production. But you can't look at the stats. Maybe if you look at the percentages more, his volume of carries and uh, what he did with the ball when he had it, he's up there with the, with the top guys. He was all Pac-12 before he got hurt. So uh, that's two guys to look out for. Just a lot of injuries for USC uh, for their prospects this year. Well, it'll be interesting to see where they land as well as wide receiver Jordan Addison. Donovan, appreciate the time and the insight. Thanks so much for joining us. Of course. No problem. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And that'll do it. That's the show. Appreciate Donovan DP for stopping by. Of course, my man Drew Dory, Tavir Thomas, going to see him tomorrow. And of course, Mark Vandermeer, as we kicked around, what does the OBJ signing mean to the Texans? Yes, it had an impact. We'll talk about all of that and then some tomorrow. We'll be right back here on HoustonTexans.com.
radio610.com for everything you're looking for right here at Sports Radio 610 for radio. We'll see you then, everybody. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.